of tracking your calories and points? Are you sick of feeling crappy in your body or in your clothes? Are you drowning in constant food and body thoughts? Do you feel like you're always negotiating exercise and food with yourself? If any of these sound familiar, you aren't alone. And the Diet Riders membership is the perfect place for you to learn how to drop dieting, pick back up your life, reclaim your thoughts and your health. Join now by clicking the link in the description box below to get support and guidance along other women in this community. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. And I'm Brooke Miller, and we're both dietitians. Both mamas. Both from the Midwest. But live in Denver. And we have a special guest today. We have Lauren here, and she's the writer of The Invisible Corset. Um, It's been such a fun book to read. So we will hand it on over to Lauren to introduce herself. Let us know where you're from, what you do, and then we would love to just kind of dive into how you decided to write a book because that is something that I know nothing about personally. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. First of all, thank you both for having me on. And I just love the work that you're doing in the world. So I am in Bellingham right now, which is a little bit North of Seattle in Washington state and spring is coming. So it's, it's warming Mm -hmm. up here, which is lovely. Uh, what was, I I got that far in the questions I was supposed Um, to answer. Really, Just like introduce yourself, (laughs) tell us who you are what you do and how you got to where you're at, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm a body connection coach, which is a system that I created based on intuitive eating and having worked as a nutritional therapist for years before this and really realizing that food and supplement protocols only get people Mm -hmm. so far in their healing. It can help. It can help a lot. And that was my personal journey. I healed from a life-threatening, debilitating autoimmune disease when I was 18 through nutrition and lifestyle changes. But then what I found for myself and my clients is there comes this point where you have to graduate Mm -hmm. beyond the rule book. And this is especially important for people who come to any kind of healing diet protocol with any background of like basically being a woman and having some disordered Mm -hmm. eating patterns. It's really easy to get stuck and be afraid Mm -hmm. of food and of afraid of losing control over your body. So that's how I found intuitive eating as such a powerful transformative tool. And also coupled with my work as an intuitive, basically helping people reconnect with their intuition, not just around food, but in all these other areas of their life. Because when we are having kind of unresponsive food and body image issues, a lot of it is due to the programming we've gotten around food from diet and beauty culture. But a lot of it is also we're living a life that's out of alignment with our souls. And we don't know how to listen to that inner voice saying, let myself, Mm -hmm. let me free of all these other restrictions. So based on all of that, that's when I started to identify the invisible corset. And that's the term that I use for these culturally inherited beliefs that make women really restricted and uncomfortable in our bodies just like whalebone corsets mm. once did. I love that. I love that. I think your book has been very like, it, it just, um, it brings it from a new perspective or through a new lens, which I think is really helpful um, because you're so right. There's so much to unpack in why we have the food rules we do or the body thoughts we have. Um, and to really dig deep into that can be exhausting and traumatic and bring up a lot of stuff of what is actually going on. And I kind of love that you're like taking this whole body approach because Brooke and I talk about this a lot is that intuitive eating, it does start out with food, 
But then once mm-hmm. you graduate from food, you kind of start to move on to like, oh, you know, what's actually causing a lot of this issue with food is actually my body image. And then that opens up a new world. And then once you kind of get in the swing of like intuitively eating and intuitively like, uh, you know, living in your body, other things become more intuitive. And you're able to like mm-hmm. pick up on different things that have nothing to do with food and body necessarily like directly correlated. And it starts to bring this like whole awareness. And it sounds like that's kind of what what your goal is here. Um, so we'd love to hear a little bit more about the book. So is it released like for the public right now, right? It is out there. Yes. Yes. It came out January awesome. Congratulations. 19th. Writing a book mm-hmm. is no Thank easy you. feat. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly have no idea, but I can just imagine how hard it is. So congratulations yeah. on that. Um, and Thank yeah, you. can you tell us a little bit more about the invisible corset what your motivation was behind writing it, but then also what you feel like it's done for you too. Cause I'm, I'm sure, I don't know. I, maybe this is a weird question, but for us, like having the membership that we have, it is so therapeutic for us to be in there guiding other women and, and playing that role in people's lives. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about that too. Definitely. Yeah. I love, I love that question. Um, so for me, this book came about as an idea about four years ago, I started to feel this intensity around, helping women come home to their bodies and being able to trust their bodies. And that was actually my working title for the book for a long time was home in the body. Oh. And uh, shortly after I, I kind of landed on this, I need to, I need to help women get reconnected that way because that was really how I was able to leave an abusive relationship, how I was able to leave a very limited um, kind of religious paradigm, how I was able to leave all these other limited thought paradigms in my life and become more free was tuning into my intuition, just like you said, that frees up other things in your life. And then I had this truly life-changing dream. And I'm going to talk about, I'll tell you this, because I talk about in the book how one of the things women fear about ourselves is our intuition and making intuitive choices and listening to that as our inner authority, um, even if it, it doesn't sound like it makes rational or logical sense to other people. So I had this dream where I found myself in a circle of old wise women and I suddenly started sobbing and it felt like I had just suddenly been burdened with this intense weight and pressure inside me. And I found myself saying in the dream to these women, I have to write the book that changes people and I don't know how. And then I woke up from that dream and it was literally like I had been energetically impregnated with this book. And I, um, I know in, in my life, I'm not called to motherhood, but this was the closest experience I've ever had to like needing to birth this mm-hmm. um and it it was definitely a, a longer process than i expected if i could go back and tell my old self something about the book writing process it's just be gentle with yourself and your self-imposed timelines because the world has something else in mind divine timing has something else in mind and there's just a lot of rewriting that's involved and a lot of like personal learning and growth that i had to do before I was ready to complete the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you read Elizabeth Gil- Gilbert's Big Magic book? I love that one. Yes. yes. Okay. That is like what you're reminding me of right now. And when I first read that book, I was like, 
floored at just how it's anyways for people who haven't read it and I'm sure I'm not going to get it all right because it's been years now but Mm -hmm. it's really this idea that these ideas are given to us and if we don't ride that wave and catch on to it it goes somewhere else and it's like these ideas that do need to be in the world um and it grabs onto someone and if you're not willing to give it the attention it like moves on and then you lose inspiration (laughs) yeah it's really an interesting kind of because I've had those experiences in my Mm -hmm. life too maybe not as profound or as like like uh intense as writing something like this but certainly and Brooke and I have talked about this with like our membership of like Mm -hmm. I feel called to like change these women's lives because I know what a what a huge change it's been for me Mm -hmm. and when you have something like that you want to share it right you're like hey this is this can be monumentous in your life and especially if you're coming from a place of like abuse and you know those sorts of things that's part of your story you want to help those other women who are still stuck there and so I think it's got an incredible name. It's very pertinent to the issues that you tackle inside the book and that Brooke and I talk about. Um, I'd love to break down this like beauty culture a little bit more because Brooke and I talk so much about diet culture, but this like beauty culture. So can you kind of like talk us through what you mean by that, that term, the beauty culture? It's part of her book. So it's the invisible corset and then like the subtitle, right? Is break free from beauty culture and embrace your radiant self. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go there. So beauty culture is an internalized belief. So an internalized belief is anything that we are indoctrinated into. And even if we intellectually know that it's false, we emotionally react as if it's true. Mm. So beauty culture makes women internalize the belief that our worth is our appearance. Like that includes our worth is our thinness. It's our youthfulness. Um, it's how much we meet this culturally commercialized defined definition of sexuality or sexiness. So all of that is we can rationalize and think, I know that my worth doesn't change throughout my lifetime, but we have like an allergic emotional reaction every time we step on the scale or every time we look in the mirror and we see, oh, I've gained some wrinkles or whatever it may be. So the big thing that I to tell my clients and I talk about in this book is that beauty culture is an emotional abuser. It's a psychological abuser. And just like a person would do if they are a psychological abuser, they are going to say, I have your best interest at heart. I want you to be happy and confident and I love you. But their underlying intention is to manipulate and control you. Mm-hmm. And that can be financial, Um, That can be controlling your labor, your time, your energy, your sexuality, your psychic power. And when it comes to beauty culture, we can look at, it's basically manipulating, controlling all of those aspects that are part and parcel of women's power, our time, right? We literally spend hours of our life in the bathroom getting ready. I think I added it up um, based on a survey that uh, was on um, USA Today women spend like two aver- two years on average of our life in the bathroom getting ready. Mm-hmm. Um, the average American woman spends over $200,000 on beauty products and beauty practices. So that's more than we spend on our education. Mm-hmm. That was and a- then um, I, I just thought that that like that um, statistic stood out to me so much when reading the book of like, wow, we're putting our appearance like way, 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 way ahead of education. And I, 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 that to me was like mind blowing. So yeah, I just, that was a yeah. part of that. I'm so glad you landed on that because there's another big piece that comes up um, where people, uh, women and men alike will say, well, it's 
biological for women to prioritize their appearance that much somehow in our wiring to have to look a certain way in order to find a mate and perpetuate our genes. And I find that is the most ridiculous argument, but I did have to like really debunk it thoroughly in, in my book with resources and medical data because it's so perpetuated in our culture. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is that is social conditioning that is coercing, invisibly coercing women to believe that our body and our beauty is our best investment. Mm -hmm. And because we believe it, we make it our best investment. We don't give ourselves the opportunity to see that, oh, maybe relationship coaching, you know, maybe intuitive eating coaching, maybe spiritual development, uh, maybe more education would all be a better avenue towards the happiness and the confidence that I want. Well, we don't give ourselves that choice because we're exhausting all our resources. Yes. Well, no, yeah. And I think like you tap on something, Brooke and I actually talked about this in our uh, Instagram live today is like bringing that awareness of choices. We don't even realize we have a choice to make. Like mm -hmm. you're so, you're so exact. Like you said, you're so exhausted, you know, you're so exhausted from just like all the pressures that aren't on you that you're not even taking a step back to say, to questioning where this information is coming from, why it's being given to you, who gave it to you. And if it's even valid, in general, let alone for you specifically. And I think that's like one of my favorite part about being an intuitive eater is like, I then became better at questioning everything that was being fed to me everywhere through friends, through relationships, through people I didn't know, through influencers, through the internet or whatever. You have a better lens of saying, oh, I can actually step back 10 more steps and say, where is this actually even coming from? Like, what is the root? And I think that's really cool that you break that down with like beauty culture. And we do that with diet culture and they go really hand in hand, right? They, they feed into each other. And kind of what you're saying of, we talk a lot about like, it's a relationship with food. And sometimes it sounds kind of silly, especially to someone who's brand new to it. But it's like, it's almost like it's a person. It's how, how you would treat your body as if it's a friend. And, and it's this relationship and how you're talking about that as beauty culture being like a person and an abuser. And what I always say is like, it's the ultimate form of gaslighting, right? They are literally telling you these things that you need while also simultaneously telling you to be empowered. But they're not actually empowering you. They're like, you can be empowered if you buy my product or you pay for this or you do this to yourself or whatever. And it's like, yes. wait, I have to earn it. I have to earn yeah. being empowered. <laughs> it's such a simple thing. Empowerment is not buying your confidence back mm -hmm. from the industry that stole it from you in the first place. Yeah. That's literally yeah. going back to the abusive partner who is hitting you and then verbally yeah. screaming at you, but then makes you feel good with a pat on your head or sex or saying mm -hmm. something complimentary towards you. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing is so many women, when we can start seeing these abusive dynamics on an individual level or on a cultural level, it's like we can see the microcosm, we can see the macrocosm. And, and I'm so glad that you pointed out when it comes to intuitive eating, it's about learning how to see our body as a partner mm -hmm. and a being. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the core foundations in my book. Um, the epigraph, the starting quote is from a mystic John O'Donohue who says, may you know your body as a wise and beautiful friend of your soul. Mm -hmm. So it's this mindset shift of Beauty culture and diet culture teaches us to see our bodies as machines to control. Mm -hmm. And it actually tells us this crazy message. Like you have the right to do whatever you want to your body. Like what, really? Like you have, like, that's like a person thinking in, in a partnership, I have the right to make my spouse do and say whatever I want them to say. No, mm -hmm. no, it's a relationship. You're supposed to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if you do, if you, if you, and that's why I give all these uh, 
very actionable steps in the book of here's what it is to listen to your body, then you can unlock that wisdom within you that allows you to build that partnership. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just so interesting that we're so quick, like you said, to throw money at beauty products. And we're so quick to throw money at like, oh, here's my quick fix. If I buy this makeup product, then I will all of a sudden have confidence. Just like what we hear all the time is, well, when I lose the weight, then I'll have confidence. And it's like, we can gain confidence without drastically changing our, our appearance. But so much of that is that inner work. And that's why one thing I really liked about your book is that there's actually exercises in there. So like you're better off investing in a book or a workbook or like, like whatever it is, like some sort of course, like something to help you on this journey and work through those barriers versus just continuing to throw money at quick fixes and supplements and diets and programs that all they're telling you is if you change your body, then your life will be fixed. And that was like, um, actually used your book this morning with a client. I pulled out one of your examples and I was just like, okay, so if you lose the baby weight, what then will happen? Like, how will your life change? And it's like, well, then I will get confident. It's like, well, but can you get confident without drastically changing your body? Are there things you can do? Are there other things you can work through? And it's like, yeah, there are. And we're just so quick, especially in our culture, just to like jump to any sort of quick fix and not do the hard work. Um, but I, I just love that your book, like specifically lays out, like, here are some tools to use. And it's just, I think that they're really powerful, um, tools for, for people who are new to this journey too. Thank you. That that means a lot for me to hear that you're already using it in your practice. Yeah. I was going to go the exact same place, Brooke, talking about how this book is more, it's like a book and a workbook in one, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it not only gets you these new perspectives and things to think about and really be like your eyes open in certain ways, but then it's also like, okay, now let's practice it. (laughs) Like now let's find some time. And I was just thinking, looking at this, because we, we get some pushback from our members or from, you know, people on Instagram or whatever, like, oh, I don't have the time. Like, I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the time to self-reflect. And I would just be curious, like, gosh, we add up how much money we spend in beauty culture, but how much of that time, like you said, the two years like of spending time in the bathroom, getting ready or whatever. And even just the time that we spend researching the best diet Mm -hmm. product or, you know, watching Instagrammers, influencers, their like recommendations, like how much time are we spending learning things that aren't serving us versus taking your like 10 minute exercise and sitting down and actually working through some of those questions. Can Um, I say something to that point? Okay. So one, one thing I talk about in the book is how beauty culture functions in the same way that any cult-like thought system does. Um, and so, yeah. Right. So there are these specific tactics that um, an abusive person or system will do. And one of them is to create exhaustion among the members, because if you're exhausted and you're telling yourself, I don't have time to change anything in my life to change how I'm thinking, then one, you just kind of drive yourself more deeply into that limited thought system. But two, you stay in the fight or flight state of your nervous system, the burnout state, which is where your intuition literally, it doesn't shut off, but um, the vagus nerve, which connects your brain to all of your digestive organs and your gut feelings, that is activated in the parasympathetic or the rest or digest state. And so that's how our intuition really clearly travels to our brain. Well, if you're in that exhausted state, you can't be fully in contact with your intuition. So it's very intentional that that diet culture keeps you coming back for more or that beauty culture 
will only give you um, a high for about five minutes when you try the new skin cream, but then you're not happy after that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And how many of our stories are that exact thing of like, I spent the $120 on skin cream and then I either never finished it or I finished it and nothing changed, but it felt so good like in the moment, you know? Um, so I can totally see that. I was actually on that page when you mentioned that oh. <laughs> um, because it's so powerful of like these reminders. And then you can start to draw parallels between other things in your life, whether it is a true relationship in your life or, you know, diet culture or all these other things that do have this control that we never consented to over our decisions and our time and all those things. So, um, I think that's really powerful. I would love for you to share with us. I know this is going to be a hard one. What's Mm -hmm. your, like, if you can share with us, can you give us one of your favorite exercises from the book that you put in there? Um, and kind of where that came from or how you've you've practiced it or how you, you know, came up with it. Um, you don't have to word it like word for word, but just a general idea. Cause there's so many good mm-hmm. exercises in here. I'd love for you to share maybe just one sneak peek of one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually an easy thing for me oh, to good. answer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the first exercise I gave in the book is to write a letter to your body, um, kind of explaining, wow, I realize I disconnected from you. Like I miss you. I would really love to heal this relationship. So that's, that's the first part. And mm-hmm. you can kind of go with where your gut wants to in the book, I give you a specific prompt to go with, but you don't have to use it. Mm-hmm. And then the second part to that is in the chapter on listening to your body. And it is actually how to write your body's response back to you. Mm. It's through a process called speed writing. And this is where you are writing pen on paper so fast that your conscious mind well, basically you're writing faster than your hesitation and your mm. inner critic. And you can actually get to this deep subconscious level where you'll start to speak from the voice of your body. And so That's I cool. recommend people just start that with dear your name. And then I am your body. This is what I want to tell you. And you set a timer for six, seven minutes mm-hmm. and you just keep your pen moving through that whole time. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert at the beginning of this podcast. And so I, this was actually inspired. I took a writing workshop with her and Martha Beck, who's another incredible thought leader. And they both use this technique of speed writing and kind of projecting your consciousness into different things and writing from that point of view. And it's a very powerful tool. Wow. I, you know, um, we actually have similar exercises in our membership where, and Brooke knows I love doing this where I'm like, set your timer for whatever, and just don't stop writing. Mm-hmm. Don't edit. Cause you don't give your time edit. You don't give yourself the time to edit yourself. And like, I love the way you kind of explained it. Cause I, I just kind of like, this is what worked for me here. Let's try it. Uh, I didn't know there was an actual technique called speed writing, but I'm like, always like, just set a timer, keep writing. And because I'm not a big journaler, if you give me a prompt, like literally I have a journal that's like what are you learning about right now? And I'll just be like, I like sleep. Like I will put the (laughs) least amount of effort into it, but if I'm on a timer, like I will fill that time. Um, and so it can be really powerful. So I love that idea of like actually taking different perspectives and speaking into that. Like I, I feel like we could unpack that even further of like talk, you know, use, use yourself at 12 or whenever your first mm-hmm. diet was or when you were a kid oh, or whatever. Great idea. Yeah. Great or idea. Your mom's perspective. Like, cause we mm-hmm. talk a lot about, um, 
the cyclical nature of dieting and how moms pass it on to their daughters and kids in general, um, not always on purpose. It's not with the intention to harm them. That's Mm -hmm. how they were taught. And so to almost take yourself into your mom's perspective, if you're struggling with blaming her for a lot of our members were brought under their first diet by their mom with their mom alongside their mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And to actually, you know, right from their perspective of what they were dealing with. Cause sometimes yeah. we don't realize our parents are imperfect. And Man, actually I would love to, I wish I had a, a link off the top of my head to this. I, um, I'm a spoken word artist too. And so I wrote a poem from the perspective of my body speaking to my mom's body and like oh. healing from all of those messages that I had, um, inherited, not just from her, but mm-hmm. you know, from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, what was it called? Oh, I don't, I don't have the title off the top of my head, but if I can find a link, I'd just love to send that to you personally, because that was, I mean, and if anybody else wants to use that exercise, like write maybe from your body's perspective, a letter to your mom or to somebody who did um, put their limited belief system on you. Wow. And I think that's evident. Like you can tell your love for this, just the way you dedicated your book for the daughters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I opened it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. Like, I think Brooke and I just talk about, we have kids. And so, you know, it's really powerful to us to say, Hey, this is something we need to heal for ourselves. Period. Full stop. It's enough for it to be for you. However, there is this amazing opportunity for us to heal it for us so that future generations can break that too. And that's whether you're in a parent role, an Mm -hmm. aunt role, you know, a mentor role, a leadership role of any kind, or just existing as a neighbor, you know, just in this world, it's important to break that cyclical nature of dieting and and beauty culture and diet culture and all those things. Um, So I just thought that was really beautiful that you dedicated that for the daughters. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, I know I'm not on this earth this time around to have kids of my own, but I do feel like I had such a calling here to, um, if, if this generation, if my generation, if we can take off our invisible corsets, if we can decide that we are worthy and valid to exist in the world in our body size and without fear of aging, that's a big one that I talk mm-hmm. about in the book, without shame and fear of aging, without feeling like this signs of our age on our body make us less worthy or less valuable, like that is this generation's work of women's liberation. Mm-hmm. Our, our work of women, like, it's so funny. Women's liberation has now been kind of co-opted into um, actually be more performative in terms of the beauty standard. And it's your choice if you get breast implants and lip injections, and it's your choice and it's empowering if you, if you do all these things. But the truth is that is just further ingraining the patriarchal values of body ownership and conforming to an illusory and arbitrary beauty standard and we're not going to find our freedom there and our daughters aren't going to find our freedom there mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well and I think just to just this idea of breaking down to individualism of saying you you get to decide what's empowering for you and mm-hmm. and realizing that what other people are telling you is empowering is that true for you? <laughs> you right. get to decide that. And that's that right. going back to taking 50 steps back and saying, is this truly going to make me feel empowered or has it in the past? And if not, what can I do that will truly honor me and myself alone without that inside, outside influence, which is incredibly difficult to do in the yeah. world of the internet. <laughs> and, and I do want to talk to that point. So people don't have the assumption that I'm saying, you know, all makeup is bad or all mm-hmm. the products and tools of beauty culture is bad. What I I do in this book is I give you those mindset tools so you can understand what is your true opinion and what Mm. opinions have you been indoctrinated into? Because there are some women who my my clients, my friends who have done this work 
um, of healing from beauty culture. Now, when I did this work, I used to be the girl who woke up 30 minutes before my college roommate to put my makeup on because I was so ashamed to be seen without it. I had my hair, I did my hair every morning and it took so much time and I was, it came from such a place of inadequacy and embarrassment and I just resented spending the money and time that way. So I cut mm -hmm. my hair and I stopped wearing makeup every day and I let my weight go to where it wanted to be. When other women do the work, they sometimes have a lot of feminine energy. Their true self really mm -hmm. likes to adorn in, in very feminine clothing and a lot of makeup and um, you know, makeup that is often criticized as being too much, but mm -hmm. they don't care because they're not doing it for anybody else. This is how they express their artistry and their energy. And so mm -hmm. I do want to explain the difference there. Like we could look at Dolly Parton or Dita Von Teese who are very much their true selves, mm -hmm. but they use all the accoutrements of beauty culture. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, it's great to wear sunscreen and it's great to moisturize our skin. Like there are some products that they have that other health benefit, right? Like if we can protect ourselves from getting skin cancer or moisturize our skin so that it doesn't get cracked and dry. So I love that you say like, there is a place for products that make you truly feel better. Um, but it's just really, again, identifying why you're using them. Like, are you using this to fill a void? Are you using this to make to please others or are you using this because when you put this moisturizer on your face feels amazing and it feels smooth and you love the way it, it feels and you don't get sunburn with it. Like there, it's just all about really identifying like your true intentions for it, which is just a huge part of intuitive eating in general. We had this like amazing encounter inside our membership. It, it just to bridge it to like intuitive eating was like the diet foods that are on the market, right? Like you can, uh, we have like this disdain of diet foods, but then there are some people who are like, no, actually I enjoy, I truly mm. do enjoy those foods. Like that is, and we had this thing in our membership about spray butter. And so many women were sharing about like, oh, when I was on a diet, I was using spray butter and I hated it. It's just water. It's gross. Blah, 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 like all this stuff. And then one woman who I, whom I absolutely adore that she is so brave to like come on and be like, actually, I enjoy spray butter. Like that is, yeah. I enjoy putting my vegetables. It tastes good to me. I'm not eating it because it's zero calories or it's a diet food or whatever. I truly enjoy having it. Um, and it's a good, you know, condiment for me to have. And it was so amazing to hear her perspective of saying all foods fit all foods mm -hmm. fit, even diety mm -hmm. foods or whatever, if you truly enjoy them. Now you do have to kind of like crack the inner surface. And I love that your book kind of makes you get deeper and deeper of like, okay, but why? Okay, but mm -hmm. truly, okay, but now look, you know, and like you sit with that and kind of learn through that. But it is amazing to say that to each their own, you get to decide what feels good for you. And you don't have to explain it or, uh, you know, justify it to anyone in this entire world that can be just for you. And that's, that's pretty epic. Um, oh my gosh, Lauren, we could talk for literally ever. Um, thank you so much for being on today. I would love it if you could, A, like if someone is struggling right now and this is all resonating with them and they're like, okay, what do I do next? Let them know maybe one action step they can take away. They can start today to do. Maybe it is like that writing that letter and doing that prompt or whatever. Um, and then also how they can find your book right now too. Mm -hmm. Well, to the first question, um, so Brooke, you had a really important point, which is just like, what feels better? Mm -hmm. What feels better in terms mm -hmm. of beauty choices? And so that's the, really the first place to start analyzing your beauty choices today is, does it feel physically more comfortable mm -hmm. to do it or to not do it? Yeah. Um, like when it comes to your hair removal, when it comes to your makeup routine, things like that, or even your clothing, mm -hmm. what physically feels better? 
because if it's making you feel physically uncomfortable, you can be pretty darn sure that there's some invisible corset strings at play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, yeah. Yeah. So the book is at invisiblecorset.com and at all major booksellers. Uh, If you do check it out at the website, invisiblecorset.com, I have a free body reconnection course. So it has some additional videos and and tools people can get started with right away. Wonderful. That's That's awesome. We will link everything below, including her Instagram and her book. Um, So definitely check it out. It, uh, it, it's, I can't stress it enough that it's just really great to hear from a different type of perspective and get into the nitty gritty of someone else's, you know, story and how they have overcome it, but also give you real tangible tips for everyone. And Brooke and I talk about this all the time. We have our lived experience and our perspective and it's helpful. And of course we're registered dietitians. So we have like the experience and the education as we were talking about before, but it's so important to get voices from all over and see what, what truly does work for you. Um, so that's really powerful. So we'll link all that below. And it was so great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking your time and coming on and sharing with us today. I know this episode will be so helpful for people out there, which is always our goal. Thank you both so much. So good to chat with you. You too. All right, you guys and everyone tuning in, make sure to come back next week. We'll have a brand new episode for you every Tuesday and uh, see you later. See you later. Thank you.